Let us pray. How beautiful are the messengers, O God, who bring us your vision of peace and justice and hope. We pray that you would count us among those messengers sent into the world to serve you. And we ask you, O God, now to silence in us any voice but your own, that the message that we encounter through your word might find a place in our hearts and our souls and transform our very lives. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson for the morning comes from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, the 14th through the 16 verses of the 33rd chapter. Let us hear God's word. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Shakespeare famously asked, what's in a name? My grandfather, my father's father, was named Parker Wilkinson. And though he never used the suffix, he was likely Parker Wilkinson V, the fifth. And when my father was born, my grandparents therefore had a choice to make. And later my grandfather said that he never really liked his name. And so my father was not Parker Wilkinson the sixth, but rather Kenneth John Wilkinson. John may or may not have been a family name, Kenneth certainly wasn't, but no number six for that family for my dad. And so when I came around, certainly no Parker Wilkinson VII, the seventh, which as interesting as that sounds, might have been a big burden for anyone to bear. Kind of cool maybe, but maybe not so much at the end of the day. So when I did come around, My parents were therefore faced with that choice again, what to name the baby. Their imagination was either very, very deep and profound or not at all. Because I was named Kenneth John Wilkinson, Jr. (laughs) Now, I was always John from the moment I was born. I had an aunt who wanted to call me John John. Some of you will remember that reference after... JFK Jr., who was a toddler when I was born, my parents quickly said no to that suggestion, thankfully. I've not given my name much thought one way or the other, and I don't really think about it too often with all those names put together, all those syllables. If someone calls the house and asks for Kenneth, I know it's a sales call, and I simply say he's not home. Post-September 11, airplane tickets became a little trickier. The full name needs to be on a ticket that's on a license or a passport. And because we named our son Kenneth, without all that middle name and suffix drama, for a while there were three Kenneth Wilkinsons 
in the Presbyterian Board of Pensions system, but they could always work it out. If you were standing here instead of me, what would you tell us about your name? Or if you were looking at yourself in the mirror this morning, reflecting deeply on who you were, what would you say about your name? Now, I've discussed this with many of you when you've had a child or when you've told me about the birth of a grandchild. Some names have long provenances. We heard the story of one this morning. Others are picked out of a book or because they like the sound of it. When we lived in Chicago, there was a boom of babies being named Jordan after Michael Jordan, the number 23 for the Bulls. And that was never a bad choice, I thought. There was a little boomlet in Chicago at the same time for another 23, Ryan, Ryan Sandberg, although that easily got spelled incorrectly and Jordan has much more staying power after all. Our names are not who we are, of course, but they matter. They are windows and symbols. Some of us remember the singer Jim Croce from the 1970s, Bad Bad Leroy Brown and all. He, he famously sang this song. I think the grammar is a little bit questionable, but listen to the words anyway. Like the pine trees lining the winding road, I got a name. Like the singing bird and the croaking toad, I got a name. And I carry it with me like my daddy did. But I'm living the dream that he kept hid. We carry our names with us. They matter and what they represent. Just look at the rise of things like Ancestry.com and 23andMe. Again, they're not who we are, these names. It's not our DNA or our personality or our soul, but, but they matter. Whether we wear a physical one or not, it seems like we're always walking around with a name tag on our chest that says, hello, my name is, to, to represent who we are. We've even invested, you've invested in fancy name tags to help us get to know each other a little bit more. I've called you by name, God says in the book of the prophet Isaiah, I have called you by name. You are mine. In our year of stories, I'm very much intrigued by the ways our individual stories, represented by our names, are woven together into a common story, a family story. Now I use that term family advisedly. It can cut both ways in the life of a church. It can mean welcome and hospitality and relationship and connection. But it can also mean insider and insular and overly familiar. That is to say, we're not the Waltons, but I hope we're not the Sopranos either. Maybe we're the Simpsons, I don't know, but I'm going to keep using this term aspirationally, this understanding of family, because it can be a powerfully suggestive metaphor of how God draws us in from diverse stories and diverse experiences and diverse perspectives. God draws us in together as individuals with individual names representing all these stories and then weaves something new out of who we are together. 
and then sends us out into the world to serve with this new name in our hearts and our spirits. Sometimes the church, when it is at its most hospitable, open best, is the only place where your full story, where the deep truth of your name can be fully welcomed. And so we bring our stories and our experiences. They are transformed at our baptisms and then transformed day after day after day, year after year. And as God weaves our story together into a common story with a fabric stronger than any collection of individual stories ever could be, it's the outset of Advent. And I've been thinking about all this, about names, my name, your name, our name, the names of those we remember no longer with us, the names of those yet to come, the name George Herbert Walker Bush, whose life and service we remember with gratitude and whose death we mourn. He had a name as did Barbara, his spouse, as did their daughter, Robin. And they are part of this family. Or all the names on the AIDS quilt, including my cousin David's, all those lost to HIV AIDS and all those living with it. They have names, all of them. And they are part of the family story. There are other names in the story. We will encounter them in these next weeks. John the Baptist, Joseph the Magi, who are given names, but they are beyond the biblical witness. Shepherds unnamed, followers unnamed. Mary, of course, whose name and experience and witness continues to resonate with us, all part of the family story. And there is that name, of course, the name above every name. O blessed is Christ who came, we just sang, in God's most holy name. We will call him many things, teacher, prophet, moral example, son of God, son of man. Later in Advent, we will recall other names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And all are correct. Yet even when considered as a whole, it's an incomplete picture of who he is. We will experience him as a vulnerable, tiny little baby and as a righteous judge. He has a name, Jesus. And he is part of the family story. And then there are times when his narrative becomes the story itself in all its fullness, love and death, hope and discouragement, exclusion and embrace. So when we light the candles of the Advent wreath, when we sing the Advent hymns in their minor keys, when we are bombarded by an ever-increasing and encroaching consumerism, when the earth quakes in Alaska and the fires burn in California, 
when our geopolitics seems so fractured and fragile, when we look for little glimmers of love and hope and peace in these days, whenever we do and whatever we do in these coming weeks, remember your name and know that it tells a story and know that it matters. And remember the name as we receive communion today of the one to the right of you and to the left of you as we share bread and cup. Those names matter as well. And, and remember the names of those who aren't here, whether on the other side of the globe or the other side of the city, especially those lacking hope or food or clothing or educational opportunity. Those names matter and like yours and mine are woven together by a God whose name Jeremiah tells us is righteousness. Righteousness that aspires for us the capacity to embrace our names, to love our true and full stories, and calls us to write a new story together. And remember that name as well, that name Jesus. In all its heavenly glory, in all its flesh and blood particularity, its divinity and its humanity, that name matters. It is part of the family story. It is the story. Amen.